Dark, starring John and Danny. An amazing, look at that. You look at the curtain rise up, you know when you start. Hey, welcome everyone to Grim After Dark. This is the Frontline Gaming Network's weekly interview show where we hit the high points of the last week in the Warhammer community. Talk to the best players, content creators, and everyone from around the world about the one thing we all love, Warhammer. This week, we welcome Frontline Gaming boss and former Signals from the Frontline hosts, Reese Robbins, to see how much we've massacred his boy uh, over the last three months. But that's okay. Hopefully not too much. Um, my co-host today, though, needs some introduction. You could say it's been bugging him how little Tyranids have seen love by GW. You could say he's turva going crazy for Warzone Octarius. It's Danny McDivitt. Danny, I know you love puns, but how did the Tyranids coming out? <laughs> how did Tyranids fare coming out of Warzone Octarius? Man, what a great book for Tyranids. Like, uh, definitely puts them on a different power level than they were before. I mean, they weren't, they were arguably not bad before this, but now they're just like pretty good. So, yeah, pretty excited. I'm sure Nid players everywhere are uh, screen a cry of joy uh, across the Immaterium. So, and I, yeah, I have to say, it's like the ultimate sign that you actually genuinely dislike a joke when it's just shunning silence the, the whole time <laughs> and completely ignoring everything. Um, that's Is like, that oh, you're trying to warn me about before the before the show, John, like that I no. wasn't going to laugh at your first joke and that I should try and no. laugh or fake laugh. I don't think I said first joke. I think I said jokes. Um, oh, but anyway, oh no, are they all moving like that? on? Like... Oh, it gets worse. It gets so oh, much no. worse. Uh, so Christmas is fast approaching, and it's time to start dropping subtle hints of what you want to get. Uh, this is a genuine real-life product. It is not photoshopped. It is the GW Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine Chibi Advent Calendar, um, available from all good sources. And as it says, there is no meme. That is all it is. Uh, it's going to come with 24 different chapters of chibis, or if you've been bad this year, 24 Black Templar chibis. Uh, Danny, <laughs> are you going to pick yourself up this advent calendar uh, to see no, what you're going to get? I won't no? be. <laughs> just, just strong nose. Like, I, will, I refuse. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's not that I don't want like Space Marines. I just don't have space for like knickknacks. How many are you going to get? Chibis? Well, I'll probably get it because I'm a sucker for everything. Um, True. And there seems like a little Howling Griffin in there, which I'm all yeah, for. Yeah. So here's a question for you, John. Do you have anything okay, special cool. on your Christmas list? Um, for <laughs> lots Since of cool it's not stuff. Halloween yet, and we should definitely start talking about Christmas. We definitely should. Uh, well, we talk about your Christmas costume. Uh, that's one thing there. Uh, but anyway, moving past this, as I continue to just be so thankful for your creative feedback here, Danny. Um, Hot on those heels, we've taken to the contact section of this month's White Dwarf, where we see a giant 400-square-foot mural painted in Memphis. Uh, it's titled oh, The Real yeah. STC. Uh, it features a tech priest and an orc uh, and a 3D printer, which you, know, you got to admire our community, <laughs> even at our most passive-aggressive, when we're saying 3D, future is gonna, 3D printing is going to destroy your company. Um, the only way to do it is in a 10-foot by 40-foot banner. Uh, Danny, what do you take uh, of this this mural put in in this publishing White Dwarf? Are they printing Harambe? <laughs> like, there's a, definitely a gorilla in there. I, I want to imagine that it's Harambe. So, um, it's I don't know. It's it's a mural, I guess. That's really big. Uh, it, it's kind of a statement that they did that in Memphis, of all places. 
Is that <laughs> on? Like the, yeah, because that's like headquarters for them in the United States. Yeah, that, right? that, that's headquarters for them. And the people who did this did it for free for the love of art uh, and subtle burns, you would have to imagine. And you have to think <laughs> a Harambe meme in 2021 is about Man. as timely and useful as I'm sure chapter approved 2022 is going to be. Um, what, what you don't see, John, is that's actually how long it took them to paint that mural. When they started, <laughs> that was a relevant meme. Yeah, they're good. They're just really slow. Just um, very time. Yeah, they're very meticulous. The detail. I think my favorite thing is like when I first saw this picture here, I thought the tech priest was painted up to look like a Ronald McDonald style clown. It, yes. Uh, with the imperial fist. So I'm like, maybe that's why they posted it. Because they're like, hey, 3D printing's for clowns. We got a mural to prove it. Um, so anyway. I think those guys need to go back to art school, though, and learn scale. Because that that tech priest is like a lot bigger than that space marine. Like a lot bigger. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you saw Tag Priest beside a Space Marine in real life? You don't know. You don't know. (laughs) Again, (laughs) resounding failure. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. See, you guys say he's he just, you know, you say that I keep him around just because he chuckles and he laughs at my jokes, but this proves he doesn't. He actually doesn't laugh at my jokes. Um, Anyway, every time a MetaWatch article comes out on the Warhammer community site, the internet throws itself into a frenzy as every expert, graph creator, statistician, and everyone else comes out to discuss the flawed data, incorrect graph usage, and uh, data set size, all kinds of fun stuff that we never knew of before. Well, here at Grim After Dark, we want to remind everyone that we looked at the events, and using our non-patented T-Whip system, we've already ranked the factions. So here Mm -hmm. is our rankings. Uh, Danny, any surprises for you here on a screen that I'm sure you cannot actually see? I have no idea what those words say or what correlates to what, but it seems like the top bars are very long and the, and the bones on the bottom are very short. So I assume that that means that there's decreased efficiency towards the bottom. Well, I'm just mad. The top uh, top section is not as good as I thought it would be. Um, based on my experience of games, uh, lower middle bottom should be far higher in that table. But it's all scientific. We used facts and figures. Sorry, are you um, referencing some kind of a power bottom, John? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to, but it's not a reference if you straight well, out call it. <laughs> hey, man, that's my job here. I thought we established that with the dildo jokes last time. Th- that's fair. Yeah, the joy toys. Uh, we call- <laughs> I will never look at a Primaris like Scout ever again uh, in the same way. Holy cow. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, if you want to see our figures on this, and I want to share this here real quick. It was meant to be like a little silent. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's see the data set, John. Do you have that the, available to show The people? data set, I do. Yeah, uh, I actually okay. went onto a Scrabble score generator, and that is just every faction's uh, title. Uh, they're a score in Scrabble. Uh, so that's AdMech, of course, number <laughs> one at 29. They're worth the most points, John. <laughs> the most points there. And then orcs, very bottom, only four. This is the letters. They just don't have great letters. You know, you would think that the K would help, but it apparently doesn't. It really doesn't. Now, but did yeah, you do it with a Z or with an S? I did it with an S. I followed the GW website's uh, official like faction I rankings see. here. I will so say you I started this directly from the source then. Yeah, yeah, I am as valid as any other data set out there. So we'll continue using our valid T-Whip. So we'll see if AdMech do well this weekend at SoCal. It's entirely because of their T-Whip standings uh, that we put up here. Uh, which is, is yeah, just again, really overpowered. Yeah, tiles in winning position is what it's been branded. Uh, yeah, just okay. So there's there, there's no confusion with T-Whip, uh, which is something in, in 
totally different. Uh, we don't want to be confusing with that. But hey, speaking mm-hmm. of SoCal, uh, this weekend is the SoCal Open, and Reese Robbins, seen here, uh, waiting patiently for two idiots to stop destroying the brand he helped build. Maybe? No. Well, he's there, we promise. Uh, and the Frontline Gaming crew will be live streaming all weekend right here on the Frontline Gaming Network. Uh, and they came up with a, this handy map to not only let players know where the gaming hall is, but where the funnel cake is and how to maximize mm-hmm. your fun. This is a wonderful little graph here. I do like, Danny, the, the funnel cake is almost as large as the sign for the SoCal uh, open hall. Um, do you think this was a product of kickers? Just insane enthusiasm for sugar? Yeah, probably. I mean, if they have like some kind of a cinnamon toast crunch uh, like funnel cake, you know that he's just going to eat like eight of those over the course of the day. That's fair. That's and then he's going to run 20 miles in the morning before the event and uh, burn it all off. <laughs> it's great because he makes us hate ourselves more by him enjoying himself and taking mm-hmm. care of himself. Uh, love you, Kicker. Anyway, looking for more frontline gaming majors, the New Orleans Open is coming. Tickets are selling fast. Uh, New Orleans promises to be a huge event with every host from Signals from the Frontline in attendance and available available for you to be. And as always, we hear a grim after dark. I put a bounty out on Seth, uh, shown here. Well, I don't have the picture up here, obviously, but uh, shown here wondering why Santa Claus visited other kids' houses. Uh, and if you're able to beat him, we will send you this high quality certificate of appreciation. Uh, as a way to continually humble Seth. Perfect. Sure. Love it. And Seth often mistaken for Santa Claus uh, if he's wearing a beard. <laughs> yeah, it's a beard is a fashion choice that you wear. Uh, it is. Well, he Dan- can't grow a beard, so I assume it's some kind of fake beard. <laughs> I will say my favorite thing like post-charity <laughs> hammer is when he shaved his, his beard uh, to, to help. <laughs> and he just looked like a Southern Paul Blart. And that was my favorite. (laughs) Man, do we love Seth. (laughs) You can really tell. And hey, you guys can love Seth too. Check out Signals at the Frontline tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here, wherever it is you might be watching it. Uh, Or don't. I'm not your dad. Danny, why don't you take it over and uh, let us know about our guest? Well, you may know our guest um, from a lot of different places. Uh, if you've ever hated Tao, he might be your hero. Um, if you, uh, if you've ever gone to LVO, um, you know, we talked we talked about John not being your dad. This guy might be your dad. If you liked LVO, like he's the, he's the father of LVO. So tonight we're going to welcome, uh, with great aplomb, uh, Reese Robbins spelled with an E and two B's or a C and two B's. Sorry. (laughs) Important. There is three E's. (laughs) So you weren't wrong. Okay, cool. Good. Technically correct. <laughs> the I don't think anybody of... was confused on the E, but I appreciate you clearing. Yeah, that. no problem. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure nobody thought it was an I or something. <laughs> say, like, I'm just going to send emails now, like with I's or A's instead. But the rest well, the, is completely perfect. The traditional spelling is R H Y S. That is the traditional oh, spelling. Oh sure. So, from the Welsh land. So true. yeah, Reese. Uh, welcome. You have taken like a, a well-deserved like a few month break from the network uh to kind of step back after a while it was like as i said at the start you were like kind of the sole employee of signals of the front line uh sharing the news so tell us kind of like why did you start doing signals i guess i mean you did what 700 odd episodes yeah so i i personally have done well over a thousand podcasts um of various games workshop games related content and we did signals for yeah over 700 episodes 
And um, the reason that we started the podcast is, for one, we thought it would be fun. And you got to remember, we started it 10 years ago in 2011 when there was like one other 40K podcast. And I think it was 40K Radio was like one of the only ones. Um, So we started it because we thought it would be fun. And we thought it would be a good way to get our business out there in front of people. And we like, as a lot of people know, it was Frankie and I sitting on wooden stools on our painting table at the shop with his laptop and a $10 microphone I bought from Walmart. And that, that was how it began. Amazing. So you said, you said, um, you, you and Frankie started frontline, right? So tell me like a little bit about what kind of drove you to kind of form your own company and kind of do your own gaming things like these here. So it's kind of a long, it's a long answer to a short question, but I'll give you the TLDR version of it. Um, so Frankie and I were, uh, so we were partners in another startup before frontline gaming that didn't work out. Um, lost a lot of money actually. Um, it, and it was something we didn't have control. It was just one of those things, right? It was a long shot, high risk, high reward kind of a deal. And we didn't pay off. Um, and while we were doing that working together, uh, we ran the BAO and the BAO went way better than we thought. And we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Like we run lots of little rinky dinky events and we decided to jump in. And back then it was only Adepticon and Nova was one year old. Right. So like running a large scale event back then was not normal. Like there was like five in the whole country. Um, and they were all like back then, like a 50 person event was like you, the whole country knew about it. And so we ran the BAO and it was well over a hundred people and it vastly exceeded our expectations. And the team worked really, really well together. So it was a combination of, I was recently unemployed <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and like I had a little bit of money left up, left over. I had like 10, 11 grand left which is insane to try and start a company with that small. That's a lot of money, right? Like that's for, for I don't have that much money in my bank account right now, but like I liquidated all my assets to try and be an entrepreneur. And that was the end of my rope. So I was unemployed, had a little bit of cash in the bank. The BAO had turned a profit of $14. So we were, we're like, yay, we didn't lose money. An insane amount of profit for a yeah, tournament. I was like, we all, get, we all get beer and pizza as long as it's five ninety nine pizza. And, um, <laughs> but it went so well and we saw the, we saw the potential. So we decided to, to just, to go for it. Like, uh, you know, I had a little bit of cash. We got an incredible deal on a store and, uh, Frankie and I were willing to take a shot at it. I didn't want to go back to the nine to five. Like I just, I just didn't want to do it. So I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take the last of my resources, throw it at this, see if it works. And, and by the grace of the emperor, it did, but, um, it was, it was not easy. So that was why we did the blog and the podcast and all that stuff to try and just get us out there in front of people. Cause we were in this like 450 square foot shop. I don't know what that is in Canadian. It's like a hundred square meters or something like that. It was like, Oh, whatever. 
That was for Val in the background. You nobody can hear. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was my short answer to the question. I apologize. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Though I do like it, that, and and both of you, everyone's gonna hate this joke, but I love it so much that you used the word resources, uh, which is how uh, Style Guide says resources now have to be pronounced as resources. Oh, like Reese. Yeah. Thanks. See, Danny, you make my bad jokes so much better by pointing out they're bad. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you get it. It's, like, it's not funny, but I get it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so you said you started, you were doing some like uh, the occasional kind of small scale tournament here and there. Uh, what is it that you guys do uh, or did for BAO that kind of made it stand out? Or because you were saying like right then there was just sort of like Nova was just starting up, Adeptcom was going. Um, and then you had this BAO that you want to create as this other kind of large scale event. Was the size more kind of like the draw or were there other things you guys were doing too to kind of separate yourselves? Yeah, so back then for all the grognards out there, back then competitive tournaments were like non-existent. Like there was Nova and kind of Adepticon. And I say that not to dunk on Adepticon, they never build themselves in that fashion. They're very, mm -hmm. I love those guys. They're some of my really close friends, but they, they've always had like a, a they didn't orient themselves in that way. So that's why I said Adepticon was like kind of, they had the Gladiator back then, which a lot of people now don't even know what it is, but that was the premier competitive event in the world for a long time. And then Nova came out of nowhere, um, at least from my perspective, it, I, now knowing their story, they'd been building up for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow, people can, you can run a competitive event and there's a huge demand for it. And so mm -hmm. we, we threw a hat in the ring and we were like, explicitly, this is a competitive event. And the demand was massive. It like far exceeded what we thought. Like we were instantly the third biggest event in the country in our first year. So mm -hmm. it was, it was cool because it gave us a lot of confidence because it was a big risk. You know, it was like, that is not the way you ran tournaments back then. It was like combination of painting players, ranked sportsmanship, which is the worst idea of all time and, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, battle points. And it was always to the other part of it too, which for certain formats is totally fine. Like we run formats that do exactly this and it works great, but it was like the, the TO made up the missions, never play tested them. And he's like, on this turn, you move double speed. And on the next turn, you move half speed. Wow. And you're like, well, this I is feel the personally worst. attacked at this point here. From, I was like, did Wario country? take over? What is this? This is horrible. It's actually Waluigi. Whatever, um, I don't know. Whatever the kids play. No, no, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, Get off my I remember the, the first, the first BAO, right? Uh, I was going to school in Reno at the time. Uh, uh, and I wore an onion on my belt because that was also the fashion. Um, but the, uh, oh, what? uh no, Is sorry. That that's a Simpsons scored? joke. Yeah. Is that where you no, no, uh, but I had a bunch of friends who went to that BAO <laughs> and, uh, they, they told stories about, uh, like the one in the tents or whatever. Um, it was, it wasn't in a tent. We, we refer to it. As was it in a fairground? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. There was like um, cattle being shown like in the next building. Awesome. <laughs> so and it was either. Yeah, no, I know. And it was like a big deal for everyone because they're like, oh, cool. This is another like big event that we can actually drive to for the West Coast because there wasn't much going on. Right. I mean, like there was the a West lot Coast of at all. there was a lot of what we would call GT level events. Now, mm -hmm. there was like two or three, but they were none of them were explicitly competitive. They were actually like explicitly non like tr trying to be non-competitive because 
the perception at that time by, among a large part of the community was that that wasn't what the game was about and you know all the subjective mm-hmm. stuff uh, right. which is there's nothing wrong with that but like the people that were going to the events were going to try to win right so sure. when we just said like hey like that's what we're gonna do um which it was relatively revolutionary at the time it like it was crazy how many people came out for it by the second year we had people flying in from all over the country yep that's awesome thing um and i would say here uh like i said my introduction here to at least to the itc was uh as a tournament pack um i recall kind of jumping into our local store when i first got back into the game and going to like one tournament and then looking at a room of like seven people and they all had like two or three different lists and they're like looking around what everyone else took to see which kind of thing they would take uh danny i know this isn't going to mean anything to a lot of people but tau kronkin kind of came out of that room Um, and there was a lot of people kind of just done with it and then after that that store started running itc events so tell us sort of about why you started the itc uh, and kind of what the aim was with that. Yeah, so again, that's a long answer. I'll try to be as brief as possible, but I tend to be pretty verbose, so I'll do my best. Um, so uh, again, we took inspiration from another source. There was a site called Rankings HQ that was around before us, and we all thought it was the coolest thing of all time because it had a leaderboard for 40K, and the guy is an Australian gentleman. I actually met him at Adepticon. He's a super, super nice guy. He was, I think he was English, but he lived in Australia at any rate. Um, he had this leaderboard, and he would take data. that He would have people send in the data, and then he would rank it. And we got so into it because it was the only, like, there was nothing like that. And, again, you got to remember, this is, like, 11 years ago. Like, mm. people didn't, like, not people, not everybody even had a smartphone at this point in time, right? Like, that like this is they were not ubiquitous at that point in time so like he to get the data was actually really challenging and anyway we were obsessed with it and then that's where frankie's nickname the world's greatest comes from because that for a long period of time he was number one right but the funny thing is is that the way he became number one is because that their their uh, their the math behind their system was hyper flawed like <laughs> <laughs> hyper hyper flawed and like we we reverse engineered it and then we were just playing you know we we were doing what gamers do and we tried to optimize it um and it just so happened that the way that they scored it there was this one game store in california that had really big rtts and if you if you could win them which is only three rounds you're guaranteed to be number one in the world <laughs> according to the way they measured it <laughs> and then we always went to Adepticon and Nova and all that stuff. So it was like a slammed out. It was easy for us to, to top the leaderboards. Anyway, um, they tried to monetize it, were unsuccessful, and um, uh, it, it didn't work out. And then uh, uh, tournament, oh gosh, what's it called? Fire, tournament of Fire or something? Oh man, I can't believe my, my oh. friend Chip, Chip did it. I can't, I'm, I'm like totally blanking. Um, they took a shot at it as well. Um, they tried to monetize. It was unsuccessful. So basically, there was a void in the marketplace. And Frankie and I threw our hat in the ring. And the, the, the most hilarious thing about this is that we had no clue how to actually, like, gather data and, like, aggregate it. All the other guys were technically savvy. But what we had is we had a large presence in the community. And, like, we had the, the, the ability to actually go get the results 
And in the beginning, it was literally me hand inputting everybody's score from every event into a, into a spreadsheet. And it took like five hours to update it every single time. And it was a nightmare. But um, the first year we had 450 participants and I was so thrilled because I thought there would be like 20 people that actually did it. And it was, it wasn't exponential growth, but it was like multiplicative growth every single year. Because for whatever reason, even though we were ultra low tech and had no clue what we were doing in regards to the, um, to the data management, like I had to teach myself how to use SQL and all this stuff. I'm not a pro by any means, but I can use basic database software now. A lot of people helped. Uh, so we had the ability to reach people and the scoring mm -hmm. mechanism that we used, I think was superior. It was more fair. Um, although, you know, people debate that all day. Um, sure. The, the 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 math that we use was more fair. It was more reflective of going to big events and doing well. Um, and then it just it just took off. And then in 2019, which was year five, we had like well over 12,000 registered participants. That's awesome. Yeah, it's insane yeah, like, how fast it grew. I have a follow up question to this story. Um, as a as a renowned technophobe, do you own a smartphone now? I do. Okay. Cool. I do, but I just I just told you guys my story how like I unplugged my webcam and I keep my my, my smartphone in another room. I was okay. like Edward Snowden, thank you for the warning. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm like it's weird because I'm really savvy with some some tech, but I don't mm -hmm. generally use it very much. Like I'm pretty old school in that regard. <laughs> amazing yeah no i was i was gonna say I, mean, I was like i was doing the math when you're like 2011 no one had smartphones and i'm like it's true i, think I have one i'm pretty no, sure i have one it's it's true because back then we actually had the technology to do a bcp like program back in like 2014 but we didn't do it because we're like oh it's not fair not everybody has a smartphone and people would bitch and moan non-stop like you're saying I have to buy a smartphone to play the IT stream. Ah! Like it's come. Oh <laughs> um, what's great is from over 10 years of interacting with competitive gamers, you know that regardless of what you put out, they'll be bitching about something. Oh, it's, <laughs> like the actual hobby is complaining about the hobby. Like I'm convinced of this. Like the amount of people online that complain about it. And I look and I'm like, you have not participated in an event in like four years. Why? <laughs> Move on with your life, dude. <laughs> Come on. It's um, important favorite, though that they let. Is, my favorite is when oh, somebody's like, "I'm you just lost a customer," and I go look. I'm like, "You weren't a customer." So, oh no. <laughs> Whoa, you got me, dude. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I, no, I, well, now I wish I would have screenshotted Reese doing freaking uh, baby crying eyes uh, hands at somebody. That's amazing. Uh, yep. And I'm told, <laughs> yep, our editor, Tyler, will screen clip that for us to use as a thumbnail. Perfect. We have our, we have our next Photoshop, John. Oh, perfect. Yeah. No. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, so, you guys also created as part of this. So ITC, you had this great kind of ranking system where you grew mm -hmm. to like 12,000 people. Um, you also, I think, are more synonymous throughout that for your mission pack that came out um, back in a time when it was really, really needed. And this is going to sound and like a dumb FAQ. question. Don't forget the and FAQ. The FAQ. Uh, yeah. So 
what kind of went into that? Because that was a sizable update to the game and kind of almost trying to make it competitive when it wasn't really designed that way. Yeah, so um, first of all, that was like three years of giving birth and it was awful and I'm I'm traumatized. I'm pretty sure I have PTSD as a result of that process. He has a really low gaming pelvic floor now. It was really, yeah, I was going to say he's really loosened up down there. Well, it's just like everyone, because like so many people think it was about like a power trip or like trying to like enforce our collective will on everybody else. And this is the, this is what it is. It was a survival mechanism. Like I was every penny of my personal resources and all my emotional and like every like if if i went out of business again i was gonna go jump off a bridge or something like that like because this is my fifth business and two of them succeeded two failed the two succeeded were non-scalable and like i was at the end of my emotional rope right so i was all in on this project i was like i'll die before i see it fail and then the game just started going off the rails and i was like oh for crying out loud like what do we do here because it was it was funny because we were we bucked the trend in the beginning by playing Mm -hmm. book missions all right that's how circular and cyclical this whole thing is we were the first major tournament to run missions out of the book and everybody thought we were crazy they're like oh what book missions are you can't play tournaments with them and this is in fifth edition when the book missions were excellent so we ran the first like super major. It wasn't a super major. It was a, uh, a major, like a, a triple digit event. And we just said, open your book and play the missions. Cause we played 40 K like four times a week back then. We're like, we know they work. And so everybody thought we were nuts. Right. And then we transitioned into six edition, which was a dumpster fire. And it was like, Oh boy. Like <laughs> the really well, polite we way it. to put it. It was so bad. It was a clown show. Like it only lasted a year. And like, thank the emperor for that. But we had already started experimenting with taking book missions and then playing two missions at the same time, right? And like mm-hmm. that was something that I always talked to the guys at Adepticon, Nova, and there's a bunch of other um, people. Like back then, we weren't very organized, the TO community, and that was one of the things mm-hmm. we worked really hard to do. That was something I'd been trying to do for years before even Frontline Gaming happened. And like trying to get everybody to talk to each other was... It's, it's like... It's like trying to get all the Kardashians into one room and to get them to like agree on one thing. It's just like, come on. That was, that was really difficult. But like we started bouncing ideas off each other and started like, like communicating with each other. And we were like, Hey, these layered missions work really well. Other events started doing it, started getting really good feedback. So then when we went into the the train wreck of six, that was when it was just like, you can't even play the game out. You literally can't play the game out of the book. Like it does not give you enough information to actually play the game. So, Dude, those so, D weapons. <laughs> oh, my home, oh, Tony. There's <laughs> infinite summoning and all. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the intern write this? Like, what is going on? So it was a, it was a survival mechanism. It was like the only way that we are going to stay afloat and keep moving forward is if we do something about this. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody thought we were dumb or, oh, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't care. I was like, this has to happen or, or I'm, this is all going to just vanish. And uh, so we did it. And the key was, for one, having extremely thick skin because I can't tell you the amount of hate mail we were getting. Like, it was unending. And that's where the stupid thing about, oh, I hate how 
which is utter horseshit. <laughs> That's where it comes from. And it's just like, it's so ridiculous. But anyway, so like we actually just said like, not because we wanted to, because we felt like we had to. We're like, here's an FAQ. Here are missions that function. Uh, and the missions were a conglomeration of a lot of different people putting in their, their input. Mm-hmm. And the thing that made the FAQ work, like the silver bullet there, was we did not dictate what it was going to be. We just said, everybody gets a, a vote. This is democracy. Everybody has input. And then we're going to mm-hmm. take the wisdom of the collective group. And then oh, that's God. what it is. Because I was sick of getting, you know, like, I didn't actually get death threats, but you know what I mean? Like, people like, are oh, you, who do you think you are? And I'm just like, shut up. He's trying crazy. to play a damn game, man. <laughs> and that was part of it, too, because it, like, took some of the, it deflected some of that negativity. I was like, hey, it wasn't me, man. It was, I'm just a messenger here. Sure. And uh, But it worked. Like, giving up control was what made it work. Yeah. Well, I know locally we adopted ITC missions specifically for the FAQ and the mission, like ITC format, specifically for the missions. And not to say that, like, you guys were requiring people to run your format to be ITC, right? Of course. No, never. Like, that's kind of the byline of... Exactly. literally the first rule has always been do whatever the hell you want. No one ever pays attention to that, but that has always been the first rule. Well, and we did it because, like, there was... It provided, like, an an arbiter. So, like, we had this third party that was going to tell us, okay, these are the rules. Like, we're not coming up with home rules. Like, these rules are going to be the same regardless of the tournament that you attend, like, in the local area. Like you knew, you knew what to expect finally. And so it was a yeah. huge uptake in our competitive scene because of that. And it, dude, we, it, we, anecdotally, we were telling that over and over and over and over again. But then the cool thing is we built the first, well, we did, BCP did, we, we helped them do it. They, they did all the heavy lifting on that. I'm not trying to it all take the mm-hmm. thunder. But us as a collective built the first analytics tool to my knowledge that exists in the game, which is hilarious. And we had data showing that if a store ran their event as ITC, they got an uptick of like up to 20% attendance. Sure. So then know. it was just, we were like, oh, this works. We know this works. So then we could just tell people like, if they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to play Reese Hammer or Frontline Hammer or something. I'm like, shut up. Look at look at the stats. Do you want more people to come to your store? Yeah, and exactly. Get on I board, just imagine man. you presenting this like a mob boss, by the way, just in a super threatening <laughs> way. Do you want people to come to your store? You want to get Are on you, board with me? <laughs> Oro or Plato? <laughs> no, it's, uh, uh, it, 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 it was not something that required selling, right? Like it worked, it grew because it worked, not because we pushed it. Right. Um, it, it's just, it's hilarious because once again, GW created a, a vacuum in the marketplace thinking naively, or I don't know. I don't want to say that about them. I don't want to dunk on them. I don't know who, who knows what they were thinking, but they literally would not answer rules questions and their FAQ was non-existent at that point. And I'm like, what do you expect is going to happen? Like people can't play, they can't use your product as intended. And so right. we just happened to be in a position to fill that gap. And I, I would never, ever want to do it again. Frankly, it was an awful experience, but <laughs> it ended up, growing our business tremendously and it we had no intention of that being the case like it was just a, as bob ross would say it was a happy accident that probably took 10 years off my life yeah well that's <laughs> balancing that between like happy oh, accident that's and increasing mortality um, uh, 
But this kind of growth that it kind of helped you achieve, uh, you kind of start doing like bigger and bigger events. BAO is expanding. Uh, and then you guys start running Vegas. Uh, what was the thinking behind Vegas? Apart from the fact you got to get like your cool go boy Elvis art. Uh, what was kind of the thinking behind doing this giant tournament in Vegas? So the reason we got into business, as I said, was because we liked running. Like we were tournament junkies. Because like, when we started the company, Frankie was like 20. Couldn't even drink yet. Um, I was still in my 20s. Um, so we would go to the tournaments like literally every weekend and we would sometimes play one minute a week. So like we just had a burning passion for it and we really wanted to see more and bigger events. And back in the day, the last time GW ran like an actual, well, that's not true. They're running the, the really cool um, tournaments now, but prior to that, it had been ages since they did anything in North America and they yeah. had run this invitational called the throne of skulls. And it was mm -hmm. awesome. The way they did it was so badass. But it's funny because having gone to it and seeing the way they run it, I was like, oh, they lost a shit ton of money now that I know how it all works. That's why it didn't happen year two. Probably. I'm, spe <laughs> I'm speculating. But um, but you had to win another event to get a ticket to go. It was like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And like at, at the time, we were whiz-bang hotshot uh, tournament players. So we were like, we're, we are going. And, it, and I remember it was like such a big deal. If you got the ticket, it went online. Like, I got a golden ticket. And like it was huge, it was awesome. It was so exciting. Not from your phones though, because those those weren't around then. Yeah, I was still using like a Nokia fifty one fifty. I think at this point, you could play oh, Snake. I just phone. figured it was a BlackBerry. I don't know. I have BlackBerry. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I literally went from a flip phone to like a basic smartphone. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, so it was a huge deal. So like all, our whole crew went uh, super super excited to go had an absolute blast. It was one of the most fun tournaments I've ever been to, even though every game was on one of those GW Realm of Battle tables where no models would stand up on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they didn't have nearly enough terrain, and it was 1,500 points. But it was still amazing. It was so much fun. Um, and the, the guy that ran it was super cool guy. He's such a nice guy. Um, and afterwards, we were like, dude, this is it. That was, like, the coolest thing I've ever done in 40K. And then it got uh, shit-canned the next year, unfortunately um for whatever reason i could speculate why but there's no sense in that and um we were like oh we should do that so once again we fill a vacuum left by games workshop <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we we just decided to go for it because the company was like i said we started the company with relative to starting a business literally nothing like we could barely afford to open our gw account and pay the first two months of rent it was stupid looking back but like we started making money right away, but it was like nothing. We we reinvested all the money. I was actually living on uh, the raw dogger's couch for the first year while we got it going. But we needed we needed something to grow the company rapidly, and like because the the trajectory we were on, we were going to be retired by the time we were making a living wage. So it was like, all right, we got to take another big risk, and uh, a Vegas event. We were like, man, this is would be so cool. It'd be so exciting. And so we were like, we're betting the farm. Screw it. We're doing it. And it was like literally do or die. Like if we didn't hit our numbers that first year, we were done. We were out of business. So like if you watch the first video when we were pro promoting the event where Frankie and I are basically begging people, <laughs> please, please come. <laughs> and, um, and that's why we did it. Again, it was driven a little bit by desperation. Like it's a yeah. huge risk running an event in Vegas. They are sharks. They eat you up, man. They don't care if you hit like 
if you crash and burn, they don't give a crap because there's 10 people behind you to take your spot. Yep. Ugh. But I have to say, Danny, I think some of our best memories are in Vegas uh, from those events, right? Oh, yeah. Those are my favorite tournament. Some of my favorite tournament memories for sure. Um, actually, all of my really good, fa- like all of my good tournament memories are like the all that really excellent ones are from Vegas, either at LVO or there was like two Vegas GTs that GW ran like way back in the day that I went to. Yeah, they, were, they were awesome too. They were awesome. Yeah, we can tell events, you. Man. I was gonna say we can tell you some of those stories, uh, but not yeah. all of them. Uh, you know, go to follow the small print of the, the what happens in Vegas <laughs> here. Uh, but LVO kind of just like frontline, just like kind of the ITC thing <laughs> that grew really rapidly, really quickly as well, right? Yeah, it, it like blew our minds, like exceeded all expectations. Um, and you know, like it, it was hard too because, um, like I said, like the business was like on thin ice because we had zero capital reserves. So we always just kept doubling down and pushing as hard as we could. Um, and, you know, sometimes trying to keep manage that growth is, is difficult. And like, there, like literally, literally there was uh, entire months where I would go 30 out of 30 days working 16 hours a day. And I'm not embellishing that at all. Oof. And like, not like just being present, but like, Oh God, I only have four more hours until I could get four hours of sleep, you know, like, um, <laughs> so it was really, really challenging, but, we were by the skin of our teeth able to keep up and not to say that we didn't have some growing pains, like we've had some issues, but more or less we've delivered and delivered a good event. And, yeah. and that's why people keep coming back. But it, it's crazy. Cause when we started the LVO, our ambition was to equal Adepticon. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean oh. overall because Adepticon, <laughs> Adepticon is, is, is huge. I meant uh, in terms of like the main events, like if we can get Warhammer fantasy and 40 K to equal what they do, we would that that was like our wildest dream, right? And then like year mm-hmm. two, we passed it. We we're like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> and then we were like, oh, 500 people for a 40k tournament is a pipe dream. It'll never happen. Well, we did that by year four, and then it was all of a sudden we're like, what the hell is going on? This is amazing. Um, it's so exciting, and, and we were so humbled by it too. We were just like, could not believe how excited people got, and the ITC played a big part in that. Um, and that was the first time we had to adjust the scoring yeah. mechanism because our the, the equation that we wrote worked really good, assuming all events were no bigger than 256. Right. And then all of a sudden we have a 500 person event and the math goes haywire. And I had to bring uh, had to bring in some people who are way better at math than me. Because um, then he's all excited to break an algorithm again by just kind of jumping on into the top of the world. Man, if somebody can reverse engineer this one, I'd be impressed. Like you'd have to be a math major. Like it's it's like advanced calculus. I had to watch three YouTube videos to, under, to even understand the concepts in it. Now, like it's, it's pretty complex, but as I understand it for like video games, rankings and all this stuff, it's, it's quite normal. Um, okay. It's, it, it goes largely over my head. I understand yeah. how it works in, in practice, but I'm not, I'm not I was, writing the equation. I'm like, I was going to say, recognize half the symbols in it. On, on top of that, like with the success, like there's a lot of legitimacy was brought to kind of you guys and your guys' events with the participation in Games Workshop of them, of them bringing their roadshow here and kind of a lot of the things more traditionally associated with your Adepticons and things. Um, tell me what you can mm-hmm. about kind of that partnership and how that came about and kind of what that did for your event. Yeah, so obviously I still have a non-disclosure agreement in effect, so I can't disclose everything. But like in a nutshell, the way that it went... Um, 
and it, like putting it in context now everything has changed so much right and it for the mm-hmm. in a good way like like before Weimar community and that whole team and all that stuff they did not talk to their customer base period right i never thought that's why we did the itc faq and all that stuff because we thought they would never ever change that they didn't give a crap they weren't going to do anything and like we didn't know what else to do because we didn't think there was any other alternative um, right so like once we had the thing running pretty smooth and like obviously the FAQ process had its ups and downs and we didn't always get it right. Although we were vindicated with GW, like basically said, yes, we were right on like 90% of it, but people still yelled at me. Um, basically they called us and then they, they were like, Hey, how would you like to work on the actual FAQ instead of just winging it? And I was like, Oh, oh light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. I was like, oh, I don't want to answer one more angry email from someone screaming at me about their towel or whatever. Um, and that's how it started. And again, it's hilarious because we had no intention of any mm-hmm. of this happening. None. But they were just like, oh, like basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but they're like, basically, like, you guys are doing a good job. Like, why don't we work together? And I, I was like, of course, like I was thrilled. And then through that, we became, you know, play testers and uh, developed a relationship with uh, the, the game developers and, and some of the people on the business side of Games Workshop. And um, it, it was just, it was like a dream, a dream come true to be able to help in a very, very small way, mm-hmm. help to shape the game that I loved. Um, I don't, I don't do it anymore, full disclosure, but it, it was just so cool. And it, none of it was by design. It was just a series of causality of like basically resolving a, an issue and then it leading to all these different things. Was the uh, was the addition bleed hard for you sometimes? Like when you wanted to just play a pickup game and things like that, was it difficult to kind of yeah. like have a good conversation? Yeah, I bet. Yeah, like I was. There was times when I was making myself play the game because, yeah. like, in the beginning, in the beginning when it was still fifth edition for the first few years, I played nonstop. Like if you go back and look at all the the video battle reports, I was like two, three a week. And then when all of a sudden we were doing the ITC stuff, it, I was like, it became such a grind because yeah. it's just like everyone's yelling at me and then you play a game and they're like, you did this. And you're like, uh. yeah. Yeah. And like, and then seventh edition too, I, I really, really, really hated the ally system. Mm. Like, yep. like the way it is now, I think it's totally fine. But back when it was like the wild West, you're like, Oh, tyranny is with chaos. It's like, <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> uh, so it was yeah. a drag for a, a little while. And then eighth edition, obviously it was really exciting. It, it was, it was mm-hmm. I think it was objectively better. Plus mm-hmm. I, I had pride of ownership 0.01% of creation, like a, a very small amount of it, but it was like, Oh, I helped make this. So that, that really brought me back in. Um, Cause like, there were like, if it wasn't for frontline gaming, I would have quit the game in sixth edition for hundred oh, yeah. percent. Sure. Yeah. I would have been out. Well, I still have nightmares about some of those army lists uh, from yeah. that time. It, it was not fun. Um, within, within 30 minutes of that edition coming out, we had made a two up re-rollable um, save Death Star unit literally within 30 minutes. And we filmed it yep. and put it on the internet. And we were like, what? What is this? <laughs> it was just like shocking how obvious it was too we're like so you have a 97 percent resiliency 
on this unit that will kill anything. I was like, oh no. That's what like just that poor intern who wrote six is just like, well, we'll put out these rules. He puts them out, and then like within twenty minutes they're all busted. I'm like, oh, well, whoops! I didn't think about uh, other units interacting with this. It, at all. it must have been rushed. That's the only thing I can think of. But I, I don't know. I'm speculating. But do you, do you guys do you guys remember the pancake edition? Are you, were you around at that time? It's a bit of a legend. Define pancake edition. Okay, so prior to sixth edition, now we got to remember too. Back then, the edition cycle was five to six years. Mm -hmm. So, like when you started to get to the end of edition, it really got stale, and everybody was ready for a change. I don't know the story behind this, but it's like a bit of a legend, right? There was a a leaked copy of 40k, and the password was pancake. That's why we call it pancake edition. So we got it and we did a battle report with it and it was like revolutionary. And we were so excited. We're like, holy shit, if this is 40K, this is gonna be awesome. It was like alternate unit activation. It was really what the game needs now, badly in my opinion. And it, they had it all. It was wild stuff. Like you assaulted, for, uh, you shot before you assaulted. Like it was backwards. And then like, it was, was structured in such a way that it wasn't just like, oh, I go first, I delete 25% of your army before you get to use it, which is, doesn't, I go, you go, does not work at the scale we're playing at, but I digress. And it was so exciting, and we were just thrilled, and then we got the steaming turd that was this edition, <laughs> and we were like, what happened to the pancakes? I got, I got, I got a Kelpie instead of a pancake. Oh, well, now I have a deep yeah. dive into a different edition. We got to find and do, Danny, uh, because that sounds no, amazing. No. John, what it we might, got were paladins and knob bikers. Oh, oh yeah, I know knob bikers. I use knob bikers too. Everyone's like, "That's a death star." I was like, "No, it's not." Is this is a little, <laughs> yes, a little dirty. Still it was dirty. not. Because that still had the wound spread going on. Yeah, that yeah, was what made it that dirty. Was the problem with it. Yeah, well, orcs are one of my favorite armies, so I always try to play them if I can. Um, but that was like one of the only ways to play him at that. Oh yeah. Time. You're, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Uh, so do you still play like a super lot of 40 K? Cause again, you're about 10 years deep of being oh, so ingrained in culture. <laughs> well, it's like being like so ingrained, like financially with your business, like growing and doing these giant tournaments. Uh, like you're, you're saying your 16 hour days, uh, and then your four hour naps. Um, how is the game for you right now? And to be clear, I don't, I don't, the 16 hour days were only usually leading up to LVO for like two months or so, but um, it's not like, I'm not like, it's not like every day like that. Um, But yeah, so prior to to, uh, frontline gaming, I was mega involved in the community. Like I ran narrative campaigns, ran tournaments. I was involved in leagues. So like my heavy involvement with 40K goes back to grade school or um, middle school. Uh, I only didn't play during college. So but to your point, as I got into frontline gaming, it became my job, not not my hobby anymore. Um, sixth and seventh was the doldrums. It was a really a struggle to play. Like, really, really, I was making myself play. Uh, then uh, once the FLGN came aboard and, and you guys and Val and Gals too, Shelby, I don't want to exclude her, um, started, like, being able to be the, the face and the, the voice of... of frontline gaming and i don't have to be on the cutting edge of the meta in order to do my job i have taken in it like a little bit of a leave of absence um in this during covid and mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie it's been really nice like <laughs> it's been really really nice yeah. like 
I've uh, I've been playing a lot of other games, um, which I did I did not do at all. I used to play a ton of tabletop, like I played D and D, Rifts, Forty uh, uh, K, AOS. I played a bunch of skirmish games. Well, AOS didn't exist back then, but I digress. So yeah, I've been painting, which I haven't done in forever. I've been playing board games like Gloomhaven and um, Descent and um, Cthulhu Wars and. Uh, I've been playing D&D again, which I haven't done in years. And it's like, I've just taken a little break and it's been really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you learning? And then Danny, we get back to you here from the, oh, the yeah. events that you guys are running right now. Because uh, there's been some massive expansion for the longest time, which is kind of BAO. And then you added uh, LVO, SoCal. And now we have like New Orleans, we have Dallas, we have all of these events coming. What's kind of the feedback you're getting here of the game? Because uh, we're seeing kind of a lot of similarities over the past few months of what's considered top table. In terms of the meta? Yeah, or, I would say like the, the meta and kind of player feedback in general about yeah. the times. So 8th edition is clearly, clearly, clearly the most popular edition of the game ever. Um, obviously, we're still feeling the effects of COVID. So events are not as big as they could, as they, they would be. Uh, but we're also seeing like an explosion of volume of events. Um, we're up to eight now. We're up to eight um, mm-hmm. events we run annually. And before this, the most we ever ran was five, right? And then for a long time, we were running three. And now we're up to eight. So, and we're still, we're not like, the, the events would be bigger if not for COVID, but um, we're still, they're still big events. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, the impression that I get is that people really like eighth and that, um, Ninth, excuse me. Thank you, Val. I know I, I stopped and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> they like eighth too, but no, uh, people really like ninth. I apologize for, for misspeaking there. And uh, that's when we shit. throw in the fix it in post line. It's uh, Tyler. <laughs> I played every, I played every edition except Rogue Trader, right? I'm going to get stuff confused sometimes. Um, people really like it, but there is a lot of negative pushback about the current state of the meta but I've never played the game when that wasn't the case. I've literally never played the game when that wasn't the case ever, never, never. Sometimes it's more out of whack than at other times. Like uh, in 2019, we had the reign of the Castellan, which was yeah. ge- was genuinely bad for the game. Right. And then like flyer mm-hmm. spam is a problem now. Like when I walk around, the biggest sad faces I see is like some guy's got six admic flyers and you're like, Oh, oh, that's, that's bad. That shouldn't be in the game. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> and like, you know, what's funny though, is that Drukari is hands down the best army, but oh, you yeah. don't hear people really complaining about it. And I think that I, some people do, but generally speaking, it's admec, 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 rah, rah, rah. And the thing is, is that I think it's because Drukari are actually fun to play against. Like mm-hmm. you kill shit and they kill some of your stuff. They do have a couple of melee units that are way, they do way too much damage for the points that they cost. But, and then and the, they're mo- really the reason they win is because they're good at winning the mission, but it's an mm, interactive yeah. affair, right? When some guy like rolls... playing against your, playing against your carry, like, I feel like I'm actually playing a game. Yeah. Whereas like playing against Admech, I feel like I'm just placing my models back. In oh, the dude. The, like the, 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 I, um, when I was play testing my work list, I played against Leo at the shop. Uh, uh, one of our employees, he's a really, really good player. I guess his admic list, and it was like the most demoralizing thing I felt in a long time. Like <laughs> I char- and like yeah. I charged him with all my boys, didn't do anything, and then he's like, "Oh, I can leave combat. I have a two up save. I have a feel no pain, and I can leave combat and still shoot." 
and these guys will just shoot into combat. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and it was just the stupidest thing ever. And that's the thing, like, like an army can be strong if it's fun to play against, right? Like, like knights every now and then do really good. And it's, it, it, um, that's one of those, maybe that's a bad example because that's either you can or cannot deal with them. But the thing is like at like a six flyer list, is non-interactive and it's not fun. It's the same problem with Death Stars. It's like, oh, I shoot my whole army at you. You roll a million dice and kill one model. Like this is patently ridiculous. It's not fun at all. And I think that's why people complain about Admech is because they they have some of that element to them. It's not nearly as bad as it, it has been in the past. But um, even though the, the Drukari wins more games, you all the complaints are about. Uh, are largely about admec and then oryx to a lesser extent because you have the bubby the buggy farm like i'm not gonna lie man i was so oryx were gonna bring me back into playing competitively and i was like oh truck boys my favorite way to play the game so stoked put all my like beast snagger boys (laughs) in the trucks i'm like here we go punch up express <laughs> do shit and they jump out of their truck <laughs> and they just no. die and uh, the truck is better than the unit because no one shoots it because it's in, and it just drives on objectives and i was like sad face like oh okay i have to take 18 buggies i was like uh i'm good like i'll wait for two so minutes was there a point you're testing your orcalist you're going up against leo a great player with a great army and he's just giving you a terrible experience of uh, 40k not because of the person he is i'm sure he's wonderful but because of the army he's playing was there ever like kind of like a hidden cupboard sort of illuminating with like a, a hidden faq was there like was like well i'm just gonna faq all this so i don't i'm not in charge of that any, I, I never was in charge of it but i don't i don't do that anymore right so val is trying to, to signal me off camera to play warhammer fantasy with him it's a good call that, hey, I hated 8th edition fantasy, I'm not going to lie. So, you want to play 7th edition, early 7th edition fantasy. But um, yeah, it's funny because I was playing Deathwing a ton in the beginning of 9th. And mm-hmm. uh, my buddy's kid wanted to play Deathwing and couldn't get the models. And so I was like, dude, give me like 100 bucks and I'll send you the whole army. Right. And so, but it's funny because I was actually really enjoying playing that army because it's like... A, a moron could play that army well which is good for me and like literally just line up they can't kill you you walk forward punch and shoot i mean it was great um and then with the orcs like if you don't want to play buggies it's like it's like a, orchestrating a symphony which is the way i used to like to play armies back when i was like really trying hard to be good and now i'm like eh. <laughs> eh, i don't want to play buggies because it doesn't feel like orcs like i feel like i'm playing mario kart you know, it's like sure. I want boys. That's some, that's some great color schemes in them. And Tyler, go ahead, clip that one too. Um, yep. <laughs> I will say so. Uh, and this was this asked a while ago here, but there is some resistance to, to competitive forty k, just kind of as a format. Um, like you know, like the you know the cheesy tryhard that kind of that competitive player. Uh, and as kind of, I guess, uh, a willing or unwilling face of competitive 40k for like so many years there. Um, what's your take on that? The, the resistance to just playing competitive 40k and kind of the negativity towards that community? It's, it's so simple, right? It's like, everybody's free to play the game the way that they enjoy it. So it's, I, back before Frontline Gaming, when I was a, a pundit for Bowls, um, 
half my editorials were on this exact topic. I was like, why are we fighting with each other? There's not enough of us in the first place to have subdivisions within a tiny little group. <laughs> and I was like, man, like it's none of your business. First of all, how somebody else plays the game. Just be happy that people are playing the game and enjoying themselves. Right? Like if you don't, if comp 40 K is not your thing, who cares? Like if somebody else is having a blast playing competitively, good for them. Be happy that they're happy. If you want to go play narrative 40 K, that's my second favorite way to play the game. I've run numerous D and D style narrative 40 K campaigns where we named all our characters and wrote backstories. And that's a blast, but it's like, there's, there's no reason for animosity. None. Like people that are like, Oh, it's not the spirit of the game, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're, you're obviously incorrect. One of the best things GW did was to codify it and say, there's three ways to play. You can play narrative, which is awesome. You can play competitive, which is awesome. And then there's open play, which having run a game store now for 10 years, that's the way kids play. Like they just walk in whatever models they have, they put them on the table, they make shit up and they have a great time. Like yeah. that's all fine. It's all fine. <laughs> so it's like the game is what you choose for it to be for yourself. And there's no reason to shit on somebody else. They're, they're having fun. It doesn't have any impact on you. It's like, who ca who cares? Like they could be throwing their models and skeet shooting them. It's like, if they're having fun, <laughs> what does it make? Like let people have fun. Uh, apart from that guy who burned his entire fantasy army after he just said, yeah, he could have given that, it that to somebody. That wasn't a great, you know what I mean? like he could have given it to some kid who had like cancer or something and made his oh. day. And instead he burns it in protest. Like, dude, no plastic fume isn't doing anything from it. Um, <laughs> Part of his religion, actually, he burns the models so they'll be with him in the afterlife. Oh well, that, I mean, if, if that was the reason, I'd be on board with that. Like a Viking yeah. funeral for yeah, his yeah. models. <laughs> we do have like though, like a, a super opinionated community, and it's 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 not. And I just want to say it's it's not You're the majority. It is not the majority of people, um, but there is a, a very super opinionated. Uh, uh, percentage of the population who are like this is the only way to play you are ruining my warhammer 12 year old child with like two boxes they scraped up over two months for yeah um why do you think because it seems to be that i would say like even through several different fandoms the the 40k and, and warhammer in general has like a much more visceral player base who are just very defensive of everything on it so i've actually I'm, I'm, I'm far from an expert on this topic, but I've actually talked to a lot of people in the video game industry that are trying to tackle this exact problem. Cause you want to talk about toxic communities. There's some video yeah. games I'm sure you can think of that. It's like so bad. Um, yep. So like one of the things we always tell our staff here that do anything that's outward facing where they have to deal with um, where they get to deal with customers um, <laughs> that, that when someone's really, upset about not like customers like if, if like not a customer service issue because that's legitimate right but if they're upset about something around the itc because you'd be shocked how many people call the store and like oh <laughs> and the customer service agent she's like i don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> and it's just like it's like it comes from a it comes from a place of passion right like they get really worked up this is somebody who probably doesn't even vote you know what i mean and like but they'll, they'll call the store about this thing. And it's like, they're, they're, they do it because they really, really care about the thing. And I, it's like, and I, I have to tell myself this all the time because, man, I bite my tongue constantly. 
And it's like, okay, don't get mad. This person is only being this way because they really care about the thing, right? It comes from a good place. They're expressing it in a really shitty and immature way, but it's because they care. So it's like you try to take yeah. the, the criticism and use it to improve because some of the best ideas we had when people were like just spitting vitriol at us. Um, and I, I think that's where it comes from. And then a lot of the times too, I think that the people that are being really extra shitty, uh, they're probably going through a tough time in their life. Right? They mm -hmm. may just be an a-hole that that's the case. But in my experience, I, I found that a lot of times it's like things may be not going really well for them on a personal level. And maybe they're going through a divorce, they lost their job or they're depressed or like whatever. Yeah. And the 40 K is like the thing that they have that they still have some degree of control over. Right. Like it's they're, they're passionate about it. They feel like they're good at it. They feel like they're an expert at it. So when something doesn't align with their expectations, they have a strong emotional reaction. And that's where, in my opinion, a lot of times it comes from, because sometimes some of these people who are being super duper shitty a year later, they'll, they'll come up to you and they'll be like, Hey, you know, I, I was going through divorce or whatever. I'm really sorry. And you're like, it's cool. Welcome back. Like no hard feelings. So I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Um, it, it's, it's not about the game itself. Cause what the hell do you care how somebody else is playing a game? It just doesn't right. make any difference. It's, it's because it's something where they feel like they might have some degree of, of, of control and they don't like it when things don't align with their expectations. I'm just loving the image of someone calling your shop. I'm being like, yeah, hey, the, the RTT from the RTT from Saturday isn't uploaded yet. Why isn't my score at BCP? Oh, dude, yeah, that, used be like... to be, that used to happen all the time, especially when I was man, literally manually updating because I didn't even know how to run scripts at that time. Like it was, and there was probably all kinds of errors. <laughs> Excuse me, but, uh, but um, like just the other day, a guy called in and left like a frantic message. You have to call me back. It was because somebody else was mean to him at an RTT on the East coast. And he wanted us to do something about that specific person. I was like, I very much appreciate you returning my call, but that guy still has his points from Saturday. But I, was, I was like, are you, did you not think about this? And this, what am I, what am I supposed to get on a plane and go reprimand this guy like and it happens all the time all the time yeah, yeah absolutely you are like that's that's <laughs> what the air miles are for is heading to maine uh, to let someone know that they were yellow carded live yeah. uh, <laughs> uh so well let's we're gonna start winding down a little bit here uh get our producer off to bed um a couple things we're gonna ask you here you've done kind of a lot over your span what is like the one biggest accomplishment that you feel that you've done uh, over your, your span of, of time as this community figurehead? Um, the thing, the, the thing I'm most proud of, I think is definitely the ITC, not, not because of probably the reason people, the reasons people think I am, I'm proud of it because coming from where we were in the old days, when TOs didn't even talk to each other, every event was literally a different event. It was a different game. Mm -hmm. um, and there was barely any of them. Uh, and I'm, I'm, we're not taking all credit for it, but the ITC helped, I think, a lot. To get more oh, yeah. people playing 40K and having fun and making it easier for people to run events and to go to events and to see how big it's gone all around the world has just been one of the most rewarding 
things that it's funny because I never in my wildest dreams that I think it would go to what it was and to see it just like blossom like this, even though I could bitch and moan about how hard it was, uh, it's been extraordinarily rewarding and I feel extremely lucky to be, have been a part of it. Danny, final thoughts. Uh, thanks for saving 40 K Reese. It was a group effort. I was just the one that I was just the one that got yelled at. There was a lot. Everyone was a part of it. (laughs) The hardest job. Uh, And I will say it's a big deal because I think my first interaction or email I got from Frontline was from Frankie. uh, And it was asking me how on earth I was able to buy a ticket for LVO. Uh, because the website wasn't live. And that was like my only interaction with you. Oh, dude, were you one of the people that knew the URL? Uh, uh, Yeah. You're like, how did you get this? I was the number one ticket for yeah. LVO 2016 or 17 or something. Because that's like that. how yeah. not savvy we were. We're like, how on earth did they find this page? It's not on the on Google. It's like they had the URL to the page. I was like, drats. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a wonderful, how did you find this? Uh, we're refunding it. It's not ready email. Yeah. Uh, and it was quite wonderful. We thought it was like magic. I was like, we got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a message from another person in your office who was like hey they want to know how you hacked the website and i'm like yeah <laughs> I, 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 was I, like, I was like how'd they find it this is impossible yeah it's funny but isn't that crazy showing like kind of the popularity of the event that even like the slight hint of the ability to buy for it and they're in there like that yeah the gamers are so so simultaneously often lazy but also extraordinarily like <laughs> They break every system, and if there's any way to do it, they do it, and it's like, bam, 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 bam. I'm just like, it's the weird dichotomy in uh, personality, um, and it applies to all of us. You know, like, when they really want something, there's no stopping them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And as I'm being told here, the best way to do a job is to find a lazy person. Luckily for Val, he found two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reese... Uh, anything that you want to i know it's so weird asking it uh your network but anything you want to plug or talk about before we head off for the day i just want to say thank you to you guys for jumping in uh val everybody else on the network um i on a personal level it's really nice to take a break and i think you all are doing a far better job than we ever did so thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. About, I don't know about that. But okay, thank you. We appreciate the compliment, Reese. Amazing. Well, talent, talent matched only by your humility. <laughs> well, uh, everyone, thank you for uh, joining us tonight. We got a lot of new uh, viewers as well tonight. Thank you for joining in, uh, Reese. Thank you so much for for coming back from your yeah. little uh, Warhammer vacation and talking to us. It was super great to hear uh, everything that kind of went into Frontline, the growth, kind of why it happened. I'm excited to try and guess where the next market gap for Games Workshop is to see what you're going to be <laughs> launching next. Uh, <laughs> We will be back here, Danny and I, uh, next Tuesday night for our last ever Tuesday show before we switch to Mondays uh, with uh, the Lore Bros back at full strength and actually back at full strength this time. Uh, we are going to talk about Black Legion uh, and how much Taylor hates uh, asking for Kion. Uh, and then that wraps up that little thing before we can move on to Siege of Terra. Uh, but for everyone here, thank you so much for watching. Check out Signals from the Frontline tomorrow night, uh, and we will see you next Tuesday.